Roma Wines presents Suspense. Roma Wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Salud, your health, senor. Roma Wines toast the world. The wine for your table is Roma Wine, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is the Man in Black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, to introduce this weekly half hour of Suspense. Tonight in Hollywood, Roma Wines bring you a distinguished all-feminine cast of stars headed by Margot, Miss Elsa Lanchester, and Miss Janet Beecher. The suspense play which stars these ladies and which is produced and directed by William Spear is called Finishing School. Despite the absence of male participants in Ethel Lena White's story, we can promise you there is nothing dainty about the proceedings. And so with Finishing School and with the performances in the order of their appearance of Margot as Caroline Watts, of Janet Beecher as Melody, and of Elsa Lanchester as Dean Sterling, Roma Wines again hope to keep you in suspense. I can see them so vividly now, just as I saw them the very first time. Those high stone ivy draped walls of Miss Nash's School for Girls. And the first person who greeted me, that amiable soul, Miss Melody. I can see her, too. It was she, in fact, who showed me into my new room and who stood there watching me a moment, smiling. This is your first teaching job, isn't it? <laughs> How did you know? Well, if you've been around nothing but teachers for 30 years, you'd know, too. Let me guess now. Your subject is either French or... No, no, it's sport. On the nose. What's your subject, Miss Melody? Mine. Come in. Caroline Watts? Yes? I'm Miss Sterling, the dean. Welcome to the Nash School. Oh, how do you do, Miss Sterling? I've been looking forward to meeting you. Thank you. I wanted you to know about the general faculty meeting in my office at three this afternoon. I'll see you then. At three o'clock. Oh, yes. and Melody. Yes, Sterling. Miss Nash is a little concerned about the new students. You might just check up on supplies for the third floor. It's already taken care of. Oh, very well. I should answer your questions, what? You see, my subject is housekeeping. Oh, I, I didn't know. I just supposed that you were one of the teachers. I was, up until a year ago, when Miss Penelope passed away. Oh, yes, that was Miss uh, Nash's sister. No changes like that are inevitable, I suppose. As inevitable as, well, that ugly rumor. Ugly the fact rumor? About Miss Penelope's death. But I, I hadn't heard any rumor or... Anything about it, dear? Oh, then I'm sorry, Miss Watts. I, I assumed you were that familiar with the school. What was the rumor, Miss Melody? Oh, it was nothing really, not even worth repeating. But I imagine Wait, I Miss Melody. Look, I'll, I'll hear about it sooner or later. Well, it, it was just a silly, stupid tale. But somehow it got around that Miss Nash's sister had been frightened to death. This, then, was Caroline Watts' introduction to the Nash Institution, a place which future events proved to be, with a vengeance, a finishing school.
Thus, the prologue for tonight's tale of suspense. The narrative will be resumed in a moment. But first, let's take a little journey. We'll journey to a capital in Latin America. Here at a gay legation party on a lantern-hung terrace beside a garden pool. Listen. Everything is perfect at your wonderful party, including this exquisite wine. It is a wine that helps to bring back pleasant memories. I, of course, agree. It helps good friends such as us to appreciate good food, too. And this sherry has come far to add enjoyment to our legation party. It is of the famous vineyards of California in the faraway United States. See? It is the celebrated Roma wine. Yes, Roma wines are prized in other countries for the great enjoyment their superb quality affords. They are esteemed as something rare, a luxury. But you in America may enjoy Roma fine wines in all the variety of types as an inexpensive everyday delight. So trifling in cost are these fine Roma wines here in America that you can be a most generous host, offering to each of your guests his or her favorite. A delicious tangy California sherry, a fine California claret or burgundy, or a heavier, sweeter California port. You'll be delighted to learn from your dealer at what small cost you can get an assortment of several types, permitting you now to boast of your private wine cellar. Ask for Roma, R-O-M-A, America's largest selling wine. Roma wine, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. And now it is with pleasure that Roma Wines bring back to our soundstage Margot, Elsa Lanchester, and Janet Beecher in Finishing School, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Frightened to death, Miss Nash's sister... Well, if I had known then what I know now, I would have been able to judge with real accuracy the importance of Miss Melody's remark. But the excitement of my first classes left little room for other thoughts. A week or so later, out on the athletic field, one of my students, Flora Nash, the niece of the owner, became quite ill. I sent her to the infirmary, but within ten minutes she had returned. Miss Sterling, she said, had ordered her back. I was furious and... Well, I told her I was going to have it out with that woman. Miss Watts, wait. I I know it isn't my place to say this, but please, for your own sake, don't antagonize Sterling. Oh, now, really. I tell you, I know what I'm talking about. Listen, you know Miss Melody, don't you? Of course. Miss Watts, she practically started this school with my two aunts. When Miss Penelope died, everybody thought she'd move up to take her place. But she didn't. Somehow or other, Sterling saw to it she was left with the job of housekeeper. Miss Watts, don't have any trouble with that woman. Please. Oh, all right, Flora. I'll go see Miss Nash. Oh, no. Why, Flora, Miss Nash is your own aunt. But Sterling would find out. Please, you mustn't. Oh, I never heard such nonsense in all my life. Hurry straight to bed. I went to the top floor of my building and entered the small waiting room of Miss Nash's quarters. It was empty, but... Just opposite was the door to the private apartment, almost halfway open, and I walked over to it, ready to announce myself. Then I stopped, dead still. Penelope! For it was then that I heard... Are you there, Miss Penelope? voice. We're almost in touch. Yes, I hear her now, very faint, 
but nearer. Nearer. It was an incredible sight. Seated at a table wholly unlike the elderly but austere white-haired lady I'd seen before was Miss Nash. Her eyes were closed and swaying gently, she seemed utterly transfixed as she listened to Dean Sterling's low murmur. We are here, Miss Penelope. We are waiting. Yes. Speak to her, Miss Nash. Speak to her now. Oh, all right. Uh, can, can you hear us, Penelope? Miss Sterling says you, says you have predicted some tragic accident for another of our loved ones. And then Sterling turned toward she, me. What, what are you doing here? I, I'm sorry. I, I wanted to speak. This is of not Ms. the Nash, time or the place for that. Uh, what is it, uh, Miss What? Miss Nash, it's about your niece. I really... I'm familiar with this matter about Flora, Miss Nash. And at the moment, I don't want you to be disturbed by anything so trivial. Trivial? But I... Well, I don't see how you can call it trivial, Miss Sterling. Flora was ill today. Why did you send her back to the field? Because she was no more ill than you are. She was simply up to her old trick, playing on the sympathy of a new teacher. Come, we'll talk about this outside. No, I... Miss Nash, your niece... Uh, uh, Miss Sterling, she'll handle it. Miss Sterling knows best. Yes, Miss Nash. Good night. Good night. If you'll just step out here. Now. Miss Sterling, you evidently don't realize that Flora Nash suffers from a slight heart condition. It's entered on her card. I'm sure it is, because I entered it. I'm a fairly competent judge of her state of health, Miss Watts, for the simple reason that I happen to be a registered nurse. Can you say the same? Well, no, I... After this, please be assured that I don't make a practice of deliberately murdering my students, especially the niece of my employer. I'm very sorry, Miss Sterling. Very well, Miss Watts. That will be all. But it wasn't all. I was bewildered, even alarmed, I suppose, at the recollection of that voice calling out, Miss Penelope. And I went to the one person that I felt must be told... For quite a while, the housekeeper said nothing, then she motioned me to a chair. You might as well know this, Miss Watts. Sterling, you see, has deluded Miss Nash into believing she can actually hear Miss Nash's sister. She then reports, relays, messages, which are supposed to come from Miss Penelope. But, Melody, I'm afraid I don't understand. My dear, these messages direct Miss Nash to delegate more and more power to Sterling. That's her grip on Miss Nash. That's the instrument she's using to get the whole school away from her. Why, I can't understand. Miss Melody, how could she ever delude Miss Nash that way? The head of a school, an intelligent... Also an old, grief-stricken woman, Miss Watts. More important, she's a woman who's been thoroughly sold on Sterling's clairvoyant power. You see, Sterling's made quite a number of predictions. And always they've come true. They've come true? Because she makes them come true. Miss Watts. There's a reason why I've told you this. I have the feeling that rather soon there'll be another prediction. And somehow, some way, it mustn't be allowed to come true. I want your help. Miss Melody, what could we do? Yes. Sterling. What? I'm perfectly aware that you regard me as a very ominous creature. A sort of Lady Macbeth. 
And no doubt your special charge, Flora Nash, shares the same view. So, uh, bring her along when you come to my cottage tonight. Your cottage? Yes, there'll be some other girls. I'm having a little party. Well, I... I hadn't... What's the matter? Don't you want to? What? Oh, yes. Yes, of course I do, Miss Sterling. I, I, I'd love to come, thank you. Good. And you can come too, Melody. Eight o'clock sharp. We were prompt, Flora and I, and the sharp tenseness and alertness we carried with us into that cottage vanished almost at once. To my surprise, I discovered that when Sterling chose to be, she was one of the most compellingly charming women in the world. And that night, she chose to be. Flora, since you're the one student in the whole pack of teachers, we'll make you the guest of honor. Now, what would you like to do? Gee, I don't know, Miss Sterling. Anything, I guess. Have you any ideas, Miss Watt? Well, we can always play cards. Oh, yes. That, of course, is exactly why we shouldn't. <laughs> oh, Sterling, I've got it. What? Remember last spring, that seance you gave us? Oh, no. Oh, well. No, I don't think so, Helen. In the first place, I haven't picked up a single new trick. Oh, that's all right. It'll all be new to Watson Flora. Come on, give them a chance to see you demonstrate your real powers. Yeah. All right, then. Oh, no, I... I'd rather not... Flora, you're not scared, are you? <laughs> a little, maybe. Well, don't be. It's all in fun, like watching card tricks. Need any help in here? Oh, thank you. Yes, we'll, we'll uh, use this large table. Come on, Flora, you stick with me. All right, Miss Watts. So presently, in a room quite dark, we ranged ourselves about a large bare table, at the very head of which sat the dean. And then... For several long moments, there was quiet, broken at last yes. by the low drone of Sterling's voice. Yes. I hear you. Yes. Yes. But you must announce your presence. Let us know you're here. Speak louder. Louder. Your name is Coleman? Miss Watts. Coleman Nash? That's my great uncle. And you're trying to warn? <gasps> to warn? I want some digitalis. You'll find it in the medicine chest in the infirmary. Here are the keys and hurry. Hurry, hurry. back, Sterling. Here, Watson. Here, let's pick her up. Oh. We'll put her on the sofa. That's it. Must have been frightened. Yes. Frightened nearly to death. There. Miss Sterling, you did this deliberately. Oh, deliberately? You knew that girl's heart condition. Why, what's? You can't anticipate a thing like that. I was simply going to tease her, warn her not to, not to fake any more illnesses. Yes, well, you see how she's faking this one. You planned this, Miss Sterling. The party, having her here, finding out her uncle's name. I happen to know her uncle's name. It was a joke, a game. Everybody knows that. A game? She's coming to You tell these women it was a game, but will you tell that to Miss Nash? You don't know what you're saying. Oh, yes, she does. You'll show Miss Nash the proof of another successful prediction. Melody. You'll have her completely at your mercy. Flora's the only remaining heir to the school. The only person who stands in your way. Caroline. 
Don't leave. Oh, it's all right, Flora. I'm only going to get my coat. We'll be right back. Please, don't worry about a thing. Come along, Miss Melody. It was five minutes later that Melody and I crossed the campus to Sterling's cottage and found it empty. We learned that the doctor had arrived, had prescribed for Flora, and ordered her to the infirmary. Sterling. Sterling alone was left in charge of the girl. That's where Melody and I found her, directly before Flora's room at the infirmary. We wasted no time. Literally, we pushed her aside and hurried into Flora. Can't you see she's asleep? The doctor gave her something to make her sleep. Is that what this is? What? This bottle on the nightstand. You can see from the label what it is. Digitalis. A heart stimulant, Miss Melody. And not, oddly enough, a deadly poison. The doctor left it here and it's been given to Flora every two hours. Now, will you please be good enough to leave? Yes, I'll leave. But I shan't go far. I expect to stay very close to this girl until she's safely under someone else's care. You're completely mad, aren't you? That's an odd remark, Sterling, coming from you. We maintained a watching post not far from the room. And from their first melody, then I made regular trips to the bedside. Flora was better, there was no doubt of that. And so at last I dropped off to sleep. A sleep that lasted for an hour or more. For dawn was filtering into the long infirmary corridor when I awoke. Suddenly, Melody was shaking me. Caroline, uh, it's happened. What, what, what do you say? Caroline, it's happened. What, what are you saying? She's dead. Flora's dead. Oh. only a few minutes ago. It was time for her medicine, and I went over to wake her up for it. Her heart it had just stopped beating. <laughs> the medicine? The digitalis, you mean? That's right, Melody. Where is it? What? Where is it? Where's the bottle of medicine? Why? Well, why? Uh, it used to be on that nightstand there, but it isn't now. Where is it, Sterling? What have you done with I, it? I don't know. Uh, let's see. Under the bed. It might have rolled under... But it didn't. Nor under the chest of drawers either. Perhaps you should look out of the window. Maybe Sterling decided not to give her any medicine at all. Miss Melody, this medicine chest, it's locked. Locked? Yes. Do you happen to know where the key is? <laughs> One of a housekeeper's major duties. See if this will work, Caroline. Being keeper of the keys. It works. Melody! Miss Nash, Look! What is it? It's Sterling's bottle of medicine. Unopened. Unopened? And unused. I was right, Sterling. You just sat there and watched her die. That's not true. Helen, you saw me give Flora some medicine early tonight, right after the doctor left. Helen, you remember that, don't you? Well, it, it looked like a different bottle, Sterling. A different bottle? Yes. And I can guess what was in it. A sleeping draft. That's what you gave us, Sterling. You knew that even a slight overdose would stop a weakened heart. All right, Sterling. We found one bottle. The one that would have saved Flora's life. Where's the one that took it? You should know that, Melody. What? You should know where that bottle is because you took it out of this room just a little while ago when I was calling Miss Nash. You are insane. What's more, you brought it into this room. 
tonight in one of your countless visits. You bought in a bottle of heavy sleeping draught and exchanged it for digitalis. You were hoping I couldn't tell the difference and that I'd give that to Flora instead of the heart stimulant. And that's what I did. You did it all right, but without any help. Sterling, just how, for example, could I produce a bottle of sleeping draught so exactly like the digitalis that you couldn't tell the difference? You had a whole medicine chest to work with. That's how you did it, and that's how I knew you did it. Helen? Yes, darling. I know what you're thinking. It just came to me. Go on. When we were at the cottage, when you sent me over here for the bottle of digitalis. That's it. There wasn't any. There wasn't any in that chest. Of course not. Sterling didn't put it there until tonight. Well, that's not the point, Melody. She couldn't have put it there at all, because she had no way to get into the chest. You see, when Sterling sent me over here, she gave me her keys. Well, 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 I, I forgot to give them back to her. Here they are. I still have them. In other words, Melody, you were the only one who could put the digitalis bottle there in the chest. Very true what you said before. One of a housekeeper's major duties is being keeper of the keys. Miss Melody, that isn't true, is it? Miss Melody, it isn't true. Oh, no, of course it isn't. Don't listen to them, Caroline. They, they... No, Caroline, don't listen to us. Listen to Melody. Let her keep drugging you with lies until you see everything she wants you to see and hear everything she wants you to hear. That's what she did to Flora, you know. She flooded that poor girl's imagination with absolute terror. And then she killed her. I I didn't kill her. Why should I? Why Why? would I want to? Why? (laughs) So you could get Flora out of your way. So you could accuse me of killing her and get me out of your way, too. So you could have a clear path to Miss Nash. Well, Melody... Your plan backfired. But you're not getting me out of this school. Helen, Watts, go phone the police. I'll never leave. Do you hear that? I'll never leave. Never. Oh, yes, you will, Melody. Yes, you will. And Sterling was right, too. For within the month, Melody was an inmate of a quite different kind of institution than the Nash School. Life settled down then into a state of normalcy that lasted through the rest of the year. Lasted, in fact, up to just four hours ago. When I was crossing the grounds toward the main gate. All of the teachers had gone into town and I was on my way to join them. When I saw it there on the grass. A tiny object, glistening dully in the late afternoon sun... What made me pick it up, I... I don't know. But when I did, it was as, as though a rocket exploded in my brain. It was a small, empty bottle, and its label bore the slightly faded letters of the word Digitalis. Then in the next instant... Find something? Sterling! Yes, sir. I found something, Sterling. This bottle, labeled Digitalis, you know, I bet anything in the world a good chemist can find traces of a sleeping drug in it. You mean? Then you found it. Melody's bottle. Melody's bottle? My guess is that Melody's bottle, as you put it, never will be found because it never existed except in your mind. What? I picked this bottle up right here, Sterling, right where I'm standing, just three feet from the trash bin behind your cottage. That was careless of me, wasn't it? You used this bottle. You used it to get Flora Nash out of your way to kill her and make good on your warning. 
You're taking it to the police, I suppose. I want to see if they can find your fingerprints on it, Sterling. Yes, I'm going to take it to the police as fast as I can get there. Certainly, Watson. And the best of luck. She went on inside her cottage, and I struck out across the grounds for the main gate and the road into town. I reached the gate just in time to hear the school caretaker clang it shut. Miss Sterling, he explained, had just telephoned the order. An early closing hour. I remembered the service driveway then, the other passageway through those high stone walls which encompassed the grounds, and I found that it, too, was locked. I was a prisoner. And then, it was it was right then that the solution came to me. I, I should have thought of it before. Miss Nash herself was in those grounds, right on the top floor of my own building. I would take the bottle to her. I would show her the proof. I flew up the stairs, down the corridor, entered her small waiting room, and then stopped. Just beyond me, through the open doorway of the darkened suite, was Sterling and Miss Nash. Tragedy before this school year ends. That's the warning I hear. A warning? From Flora, did you say? From my niece? From your niece. <laughs> oh, she says there will be more tragedy. Oh, no. Before this school year ends. Tragedy. Oh, for one more. One more woman here. My strength left me completely then. I don't know whether I fainted or not or how I got back to my room. But I'm here in it now. And it is just ten minutes before midnight. Ten minutes before this school year ends. My door is locked. She has locked it from the outside. But now, now that door is going to open. And she's coming in. What are you going to do with it? This revolver. I'm going to use it to fulfill a prediction. Don't, please, don't, please. Laura made a prediction to Miss Nash tonight. No. Laura made it through me. Do you understand that? Laura made it. I heard her. I really heard her. Saying that there would be one more death before the school year ends. Please. And that prediction is going to come true. You'd better send someone over to the Nash school right away. There's been a... Somebody's shot herself dead. And please, please tell Miss Melody. Miss Melody, that she'll be out soon. Tell her that Lady Macbeth is gone. So closes Finishing School, starring Margot, Elsa Lanchester, and Janet Beecher. Tonight's tale of Suspense. 
Before we tell you about our star and story for next week, a word about an American anniversary of 173 years this week. Still standing in California is a little winery founded in 1771. Settlers from foreign countries discovered early that California vineyards were among the world's finest, that in the rare combination of climate and soil which produces perfect wine grapes, California surpasses some of the most famous old-world vineyards. Take Roma California Sherry or Port. They are magnificent wines, truly delightful. Yet, like all Roma wines, priced astonishingly low, because you pay no duty, no costly shipping charges. Toast the new year with Roma Wines, America's largest selling wines. And let us hope that next New Year's, we'll all be together, our sons and daughters, our husbands and fathers, in a world at peace. We help make this more certain with the war bonds and stamps we buy. So for 1944, increase your purchases of United States war bonds. Good luck and health to you one and all from the makers of Roma Wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Next week, Roma Wines take great pleasure in bringing to you, in his first radio appearance of the year, Mr. Alan Ladd. Mr. Ladd will be heard in a swift-moving action drama played against the colorful background of the Midway in an amusement park and called The One-Way Ride to Nowhere. Don't forget, then, next Thursday, same time for Alan Ladd in Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Hi, everyone. The holiday season is upon us, and I'll be glued to the telly for BritBox on many a night. I've already shared with you the fact that I keep up with Father Brown and Poirot at BritBox. I also check out their new stuff, like the new series Archie, which tells the story of Archie Leach, otherwise known to millions of filmgoers as Cary Grant. This story comes from his daughter Jennifer Grant and ex-wife Diane Cannon. It's a series. The performance of Jason Isaacs, who plays Cary Grant, is top-notch. I highly recommend it. You can only find it on my favorite TV, BritBox. Sign up to BritBox today to stream Archie and other fan favorites today from any device. I have a special, limited-time offer for my U.S. and Canadian listeners. Get 50% off your first month when you sign up for a monthly plan, but only if you go to BritBox.com and use my promo code 1001STORIES at checkout. Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Just use promo code 1001stories at BritBox.com. Try it. You'll like it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Roma Wines present Suspense. Roma Wines. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Salud! Your health, senor. Roma Wines toast the world. The wine for your table is Roma Wines. 
Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is the Man in Black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, to introduce this weekly half hour of Suspense. Tonight in Hollywood, Roma brings you the young American actor whose sensational rise to stardom has been unparalleled in recent seasons, Mr. Alan Ladd. The suspense play which stars Alan Ladd and which is produced and directed by William Spear is called The One-Way Ride to Nowhere. So with this play and with the performance of Mr. Ladd as an adventurous young man named Tom Dwyer, Roma Wines again hope to keep you in suspense. It's safe and sensational, and the price is only a dime. A dime ten cents for the fastest and the fanciest ride in Ocean City. It's not a roller coaster, ladies and gentlemen. It's an experience. We give you the breathtaking dip over Moonlight Bay. We give you the tunnel of love. And it's the longest and highest and the very finest scenic railway in the world. How many good-looking... Two tickets. Two it is. Now, listen, Tom, is this really necessary? What's the matter with you? Come on, you scared? Well, I just don't like these things, that's all. I never have. Don't be silly. It's no worse than riding to a stick-up in a prowl car. Yeah? Well, I never liked that either. Go on, go on, get in. Uh Oh, no, not in the last seat. That is definitely out. Okay, okay. So we'll ride in the last seat the next time when you're over your stage fright. You'll ride in the last seat the next time. For me, this is strictly a one-shot proposition, and don't expect anything different. I've got your safety belt, Mac. Everybody got their safety belt buckled? Okay, folks, you're on. Hey, Tom, are we still alive? Well, can't you tell? All right, folks, who's going to ride again? Wait a second, Benny. Want to try it again? Are you crazy? Come on, come on. It'll do you good. Don't tell me. This thing is a menace to health and sanity. What did I tell you? Look, there's a guy passed out back there. Come on, come on. Snap out of it. Hey, come on. Get up, mister. Hey, somebody give me a hand with this guy. Yeah, here. Come here, I'll help you. All right, you get his legs. I'll take his head. Oh, I don't know why guys ride this thing if they're going to pull a fade out. Uh Uh-oh. This guy didn't pull any fade out. Yeah, well, he ain't exactly the life of the party. You're right there, pal. He's dead. He, he's what? He's dead. Holy gee. Hey, well, I better call a boss. <laughs> All right, folks. You'll uh, just have to step outside the gates, please. Uh, wait I'm a sorry. Minute. There's been a little accident here. Everybody out, please. Go on, everybody out. Hey. What's the matter, Johnny? Ah, a guy passed out. The man there says he's dead. Oh, Fred. Every season it's something. Please, folks, outside the gate. Please. Yeah, go on. All right, stand back there. Stand back, everybody. What's the matter, Terry? That guy just died on us. Yeah? How come? I don't know. This man here looked him over. How do you know he's dead? You a doctor? No, officer, but it's uh, not too hard to tell. Where is he? Uh, back in the last seat. Come on, keep the mob outside, will you, Terry? Sure. Come on, break it up now, will you? Break it up. This the guy? Yeah. Hmm. Looks like it must have been heart failure. It doesn't look to me like heart failure. Say, who are you? Dwyer's a name, Tom Dwyer. Yeah? Well, uh... Hey! I never seen this dead guy. He never bought a ticket for me. That's right, he never had a ticket. 
You mean he rode for free? How could he? He rode for free, all right. Say, how come you know so much about this? Me? Oh, I'm just kind of nosy. Hey, you. Uh, yeah? Do you remember seeing this man get on the car? How do I know? They get on, they get off. I just work here. Don't you remember that my friend and I were going to get in that last seat and then we didn't? Hey, that's right. Hey, who's this? Ben Duffy's a friend of mine. Yeah? Yeah. Now, listen. My friend and I were the last ones to get in that car. We were going to take the last seat and then we didn't. And the car pulled out. And when it pulled out, that last seat was empty. Oh. Hey, that's right. That last seat was empty. This dead guy never even got on the car. Yeah. Now you're getting someplace. All right, Dick Tracy, I'm listening. A roller coaster car starts out from this platform all hunky-dory and rips around the tracks about 90 miles an hour. And when it gets back here, there's a dead guy on it that wasn't on it when it started. How do you think he got on there? Dropped out of the sky? Well, figure it out for yourself, pal. If he wasn't in the car when it started, then someplace along the line he was dumped on it. And guys who have been dumped are generally guys who have been murdered. Murder is a rude and terrible customer always. But seldom indeed has this unwelcome guest intruded more incongruously than on this particular evening when he chose to be the extra passenger on a roller coaster ride. Alan Ladd is our star of suspense in Robert L. Richards' story, The One-Way Ride to Nowhere. You have heard the prologue for tonight's tale of suspense. Before we return to Ocean City, the scene of our drama... Let's take you for a moment to a pleasant spot to the south. Where are we now? Along the Caribbean, looking into a smart cafe. Capitan! Capitan! Si, senor. You have a fine port wine? I should like something special. Perhaps you... Uh... Ah, si, senor. Imported from California. A wine... Excellent. Roma, California port. It's true that in many countries of the world, distinguished Roma wines are imported... Red wines, white wines, dessert wines, sparkling wines. Prized and enjoyed by wine lovers of these countries as rare delights. In many parts of the world, it's been discovered that our own California's sun and soil, plus the skill of Roma's vintners, are to be thanked for some of the truly fine wines. Yet to Americans, Roma wines cost little, for we pay no excessive import duty or shipping costs. Yes, you can serve Roma wines often and proudly to your most knowing, most critical guest. For Roma wine is America's largest selling wine. And at only a few cents a glass, why not let Roma wines add their delight to your family meals and your family's enjoyment? Buy wine tomorrow and specify Roma, R-O-M-A, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. And now it is with pleasure that Roma Wines bring back to our soundstage Mr. Alan Ladd in The One-Way Ride to Nowhere, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Hey, Tom, where you been? We're all supposed to be waiting in here for the chief of police. Didn't make any phone call, that's all. Anybody I know? Jefferson Hotel. Do you know him? Huh? Hey, what's this all about? 
Oh, about $400,000 and a lot of people's lives. Uh-oh. Here comes the chief now. All right, quiet, everybody. Chief Haynes wants to say something to you. A man died under peculiar circumstances on the Ocean City roller coaster tonight. And all of you here were either on the car in which the body was found or in the immediate vicinity, like on the platform. Now, cause of death has not yet been determined. But all of you might be needed as witnesses. So we want to know where to get a hold of you. Have all these people been identified and left locations where they can be reached? Yes, sir. Well, then that's all. You can go now. Oh, uh, Chief Haynes. Well? I'd like to ask a couple of questions. Are these the two fellows you told me about, Johnson? Yes, sir. You're a pretty inquisitive young fellow, aren't you? Well, that's my business. By the way, Chief Haynes, haven't we met somewhere before? Not that I know of. What did you want to ask about? Well, for one thing, you said just now that the cause of death had not yet been determined. That's right. The man was blue in the face and apoplectic, but there were no marks of violence on the body. The coroner's working on it now. Maybe the coroner should look at the man's neck. At what? At his neck. Listen, you're no doctor, and neither am I. The coroner of this city knows his business. Okay, Haynes, okay. I just thought I might save him a little time. You well, know? you wasted my time. If you think I'm going to give you an inside track so that you can go to this poor man's family with some sales talk that you can help him get some kind of a legal action. Oh, he's got a family, has he? Yeah, he's got a family. Now get out of here. Mm-hmm. And his name is Richard Elliston Brighton, and he's a professor of psychology, and he comes from Chicago, right? So you went through his pockets before my men got there. Now, did I say that? Listen to me, young fella. You know entirely too much about this case for your own good. You're from Chicago, too, aren't you? That's right. What are you doing here? On a vacation, visiting my friend here. Well, you better take the... Oh, hello, Doc. What about it? Uh, murder. He was strangled. Strangled? Mm-hmm. When we got a good look at him, we found a thin red mark around his neck. He was strangled with something like, uh, picture wire. Now, isn't that a funny way for a middle-aged professor to be knocked off? Yeah, funny way for anybody to be knocked off. And isn't it a funny thing for a professor of psychology with a, with a family and all to be way out here all alone, so far from home, hanging around an amusement park? No funnier than what you're doing, hanging around here. And that's quite a coincidence, by the way, Mr. Tom Dwyer of Chicago. Chicago's a big place, Chief Haynes. Lots of people live there. Uh, say, Chief, what I think of it, here's the stuff we took out of his pockets. And nothing much, wallet and a few things, and... Uh, oop, dropped something there. I got it. Hand that over, Dwyer. Well, well, well. A souvenir postcard. Sheila Kennedy. Ocean City. Hey, she's quite a cutie, too. I said hand it over. It's material evidence. Sure, sure, sure. Here you are. One of the local tent show girls, I take it. Know anything about her, Chief? Now, listen, Dwyer. I got enough on you already to hold you on suspicion. Take my advice and keep your nose out of this. Come on, Tom. This isn't doing you any good. Yeah, that's right, Ben. And anyway, we got a date with a lady. They're luscious, they're delightful, and they're daring. The most gorgeous girls. The hey, uh, Bob, can we go in now? Yeah, what did she say? What's that? I said, can we go in now? Oh, yeah. Okay, fellas, down there, the second door. I told her about you, and she says it's okay. Thanks. Make it snappy. She goes out in a couple of minutes. They're lovely, they're luscious. Uh, room of her own. Sheila must be all right. Hey, I thought you said this was business. It is. Wait out here, will you, Ben? Oh, so when it's dames, I wait outside. I said this was business. Well, maybe we've both been missing something. How did you know I came from Chicago? 
You'd never have got in if you hadn't pulled out. It was a good guess, wasn't it? Well, I don't know you and I don't want to know you, so beat it. Now, look, Sheila. I didn't come here to cause you any trouble. My name's Tom Dwyer, and I... Are you going to leave or do I call the bouncer? Sheila, a man was murdered in the amusement park tonight. Murdered? Well, hadn't you heard? Everybody has, but I didn't know it was... He was from Chicago, too. And Sheila, he... He had your picture in his pocket. My picture? That's right. So... So what? There must be 50,000 old goats from one end of this country to the other with my picture in their pockets. They sell them at the show. How do you know how old he was? I... I don't. I, I was only... Professor Brighton didn't come around in the last two or three days to talk to you about... Uh, about anything, did he, Sheila? No. I don't even know what you're talking about. You got no right to question me. You know what I think, Sheila? I don't know, and I don't care. I think you're in a tough spot, and you'd like to be out of it. Only you uh, don't know quite how. Well, what if I am? Well, maybe I can help you. Nobody can help me. This is murder, Sheila. That's not so good. What's your angle in all this? I wouldn't kid you. I'm a private detective. I make my living in things like this. Aside from that, and as a general rule, I... I just don't like murder. Listen, mister... What'd you say your name was? Dwyer. Tom, to you. All right. I don't know why, but you seem like a nice guy. Mm, I am. Well, you know me better. Might have been nice at that. Keep out of this. It's for your own good. You'll get nothing but grief. Uh, what kind of grief? The worst kind there is. You saw what happened to the professor. Poor guy. Get out of the amusement park. Get out of Ocean City and stay out. Thanks, Sheila. Maybe you're right. I know I'm right. But I'm in kind of deep already. Is there, uh, is there anything particular I should look out for? Sheila, you're on. Okay. Listen, Tom, just remember, that roller coaster isn't the only one-way ride to nowhere around here. One-way ride to nowhere. Hey, y'all, 10 for 25, Bill. Now, who's next? 10 for 25. Yeah, what did she mean by that? It was a tip-off, Maybe. Yeah. One-way ride to nowhere, huh? That's what the professor got, all right, for free. But how? He was dumped on. I still say how. Well, that Ladies little problem doesn't bother me, but... The one and only, the bullet hey, listen. Automobile huh? that took three men on a one-way ride yeah. to nowhere. One-way ride to nowhere. Come on. Hey, I think it's around there to the right. Yeah. Bulletproof automobile. Huh? Where? That tent show next to the roller coaster. Take it easy now. Okay, but I... Then you worry me sometimes. Did you know this thing was here? Well, it wasn't here last week. How am I supposed to know what you want? If you'd tell a guy something once in a while, it wouldn't... Oh, you never heard of Wires McGuire either. No? Skip it. This guy's going into his routine again. Ladies and gentlemen, step right up. Inside you will see the actual bulletproof automobile in which the famous Jarvis gang sped from the scene of the $400,000 Springfield mail robbery. The most daring holdup in modern times. Now this is the very limousine in which they were pursued for 50 miles. Three of them died. The fourth became a raving maniac on that last fatal one-way ride to nowhere. Step right in, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go. Benny. Benny, now I know I'm right. Is this what you came down here for? Not exactly, but there's been some funny talk lately about this mail robbery job in some funny places. I still don't get it. There were four guys in on that. Three of them dead and the others in the bug house. That kind of closes the books, don't it? I'll give you a little tip, Benny. They never found the money. Huh? And the insurance company's got a standing offer of a 10% reward. <laughs> 40,000 bucks. Step right over, gents. The original bulletproof automobile. Okay, maybe we'll at that. How much? Two bits. Please. Yeah, yeah. 
Step right inside, gentlemen. Now the car that you see before you... You, uh, you don't have much business, do you? Hey, what are you, a couple of public accountants? No offense, it just seems too bad. It's a swell exhibit. Oh, you're telling me. Ah, these hicks down here, they don't appreciate nothing. Ah, it must be pretty hard, judging what the public will go for. Yeah, I thought this murder automobile would be a sensation, something modern, you know. And my brother found in a junkyard in Indiana. Cops must have sold it at auction or something. Look, uh, would you really like to get rid of this heap? Like to. Don't worry, I already have. Yeah? Listen, brother, the minute I found out that I had a turkey, I went out and found me a sucker, but quick. Well, how did you find him? Uh, well, I, I didn't exactly find him. He, he come by, you see. He's making some sort of a collection for some cop's museum. Uh, Capone's bulletproof car, Dillinger's artillery. You know, I got my price, though. Uh, oh. Oh, no, isn't that too bad, Benny? Hmm? Oh, yeah, sure it is. Uh, what's too bad about it? Well, to tell you the truth, we're making sort of a collection ourselves for a big New York exhibitor. And sure. I, I thought maybe we could do a little business. Oh, I'm sorry, mister. I just closed the deal tonight. If you'd only come around just a couple hours sooner, you... Well, do you suppose this man you sold, sold the car to would be reinterested in selling at, at the right price? Yeah, I don't know. It'd cost you plenty, though. Confidentially, he paid me a thousand bucks cash. Hmm. Well, where could we find this guy? Well, he should be here any minute. He, he's going to pick up the papers and things. Hey, you want to come out and back and wait from there? I was just going to knock off anyway. Well, thanks. I know, but You know, I had a hunch maybe I should have held on. How's a guy supposed to know in this crazy business? Well, here you are. Well, quite a cozy little place you got here. It's all right. Sit down, make yourself at home. Hey, hey, what's that? Huh? Oh, them roller coasters. The tunnel goes right under the floor here. It's enough to drive you nuts. Yeah, I can imagine. That door over there must open up right where the tunnel comes out, huh? Yeah, I guess it does it that. I never looked. It's all nailed up. Hey, there used to be another wing on this building in the old days, wasn't there? That was the door to it. It might have been. Yeah, I guess it was. Say, does this Mr. Uh, uh, the guy um... I sold the car to, uh, McGuire. McGuire. Yeah. Oh, does he have a, sort of a business manager with him or anybody like that? Well, he's had a couple of guys with him once in a while. I really didn't pay no attention. I suppose he's been hanging around here fairly steady the last few days, huh? In and out, you know. He ought to be here any minute. Oh, here he is now. What's the matter? Yeah, I don't. Hello, Mr. McGuire. We was just talking about you. Yeah? Who was? Uh, me and these two gentlemen. They want to see you about... Uh... Was this the guy that came to see you, Sheila? I don't know. Sure I am, Sheila. Come on, tell him. Well, I guess that's him. Okay. You can run along to the hotel, honey. Ed, listen, please don't. Who like I tell you? Harry, you stay here with me. Okay, Ed. I got all your papers and things, Mr. McGuire. Everything's here in this envelope. Thanks. And what you two fellas want to see me about? Just a little business proposition. My name's Tom Dwyer, and this is Ben Duffy. Hiya, Mr. McGuire. Ed McGuire. Pleased to meet you. You can beat it now, Ferreira. We'll take care of everything. Okay. Well, uh, so long. So long. Watch the door, Harry. Now, what's your proposition? Well, I understand you bought Ferrara's car. That's right. You interested in uh, used cars? Some used cars. How interested? Enough to make an offer. Your, uh, your friend here in on the deal? No, he just came along for the ride. Well, uh, I got a partner. Well, where do we find him? We don't. He'd have to come here. And we'd have to send somebody after him. Somebody like... Uh, like your friend. Okay. Now, listen, Tom, I don't... What's his name, and how does my uh, my friend find him? Name is Johnson. George Johnson. He's at 2854 Drexel Boulevard. Just tell him I sent you. Uh, Tom, I don't think I ought to leave. Take the... it easy. Uh... While you're out, I 
I wish you'd do something for me. First. What? Take up my mail. It won't be out of your way. Your mail? Yeah, that's right. Do that first. I'm expecting a very important special delivery, and I want you to stop by the Jefferson Hotel, where I'm staying. And ask for a bellhop named uh, Ted Martin. He takes care of all my stuff. The Jefferson? That's right. And be sure to see Ted Martin. He's the only one who can help you, so ask the clerk for him and hurry back then. Ted Martin and Jefferson. Well, okay. You want me to go, Ed? No, you stay here. Now that he's out of the way, what do you know? Enough. You're a pretty bright boy, aren't you? You gonna talk? Why not? I know, for instance, why you bought that car. I think he knows too much. Let me handle this. Keep talking, bright boy. Well, after that Springfield nail job, nobody ever found the money. 400,000 bucks is a lot of letters. And you think it's still somewhere in that car. Did you figure it out all by yourself, or did you get a tip when you were in the federal pen, yeah. along with Duke Jarvis? <laughs> you know any more cute answers, bright boy? Sure. I come from Chicago. I know that around there you got a nickname, and they call you Wires. I told you you knew too much. Mm-hmm. On account, you got a reputation for being very handy at disposing of troublesome guys with a length of picture wire twisted around the neck. Have you any idea what you've just talked yourself in for, bright boy? I know what I'll talk you in for if you don't play ball. Well, now, what do you think of that? I think we're wasting time. Listen, McGuire. I not only know how you killed Professor Brighton, I know why. Sure you do, bright boy. Sure you do. You think I'm kidding, huh? Professor Brighton was a psychiatrist. They used to call him into the federal pen to examine guys who were wacky. Hmm. They called him in to examine Duke Jarvis. Duke was the last of the Jarvis gang. The rest were all killed in the holdup. He was wacky, all right. So wacky, he let slip about the money being still hidden in the car. So when the professor heard about the car showing up, he thought he could pick up a piece of change. The poor guy, only you caught up with him first, huh? You got it all figured out, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, all but one thing. I don't think you're smart enough to pull this all by yourself. I think you do have a partner. I tell you, we're wasting time, No, no, we're not. Now, listen, bright boy. Who are you working for? What difference does that make? Palanty. Don't you think I want to know who else is in on this? What do you say, bright boy? There's nobody. I'm working alone. Cover him, Harry. Okay. You'd better talk, bright boy. There's nothing to say. Uh, Who else knows about this? Nobody. This ain't gonna do your face any good, bright boy. Talk! Got him! Talk! Watch him, Harry. I think he's coming out of it again. Yeah, this ain't getting us no place. Suppose his pal comes back. He'll never come back. By the time he finds out, there ain't no such guy as George Johnson. Take a look, Harry. Yes, me. Uh, it's Chief Haynes, Ed. Okay, open up. Hey, I thought I told you. How did he get here? He walked in. He knows plenty. How much? The works. We've been trying to sweat out of him who he's working for. Haynes. I know where I've seen you before. Your picture. You were a guard at the federal pen when Jarvis McGuire were there. That's how you heard about the money. When McGuire came down here, he, he had to play ball because you were chief of police here. He's got to go, McGuire. Sure, I know. So we give him the business and dump him out of the side store there into the roller coaster like we did the prep. Are you crazy? You can't get away with two jobs like that the same night. So what do we do? Anything. Dump him in the bay. Make it look like an accident. Anything. Hey, there's an idea. And don't try to get fancy about it this time. But you just gave me quite an idea, Hain. Quite a good idea. <laughs> 
Keep that hat down over his face and hold him up straight. Yeah, I got him. What seat do we want? What's the difference? Car's almost empty anyway. Get him in. Take the middle one. All right. I'll tell your safety, Miles. Keep that belt loose. Okay, everybody. You're off. There we go. Going into the tunnel now. Tie his hands and feet while we're in the dark. Yeah, I'm doing it now. Got the sash weights on him? Yeah, around him. We're out now. Watch him. Hey, what was that? What's the difference? Hang on and we're starting up. We're coming to the top. You know what to do, Harry? Yeah. When you hit the bottom of the dip over the bay. Okay. I'll yell and we both heave together. He'll go down into that bay and sink like okay, a... Okay, McGuire, put up your hands, both of you. Put them up. Huh? Tommy, you okay? Yeah, sure. What do you think you're doing here? The federal pinch, McGuire. I'm Ted Martin, Department of Justice. Staying at the Jefferson Hotel. Get it, McGuire? Hey, Tom, you ought to get to a dock. No, no, I gotta get down to the police. Hey, Ted. Ted, listen, never mind about these guys. Get Haynes, chief of police. I got a couple of men down there already, Tom. When you phoned, I figured you might get mixed up with him. We've had our eye on the chief for quite a while. Well, I'll see you later. So long. Thanks, Ted. Hey, you were taking an awful chance, Tom, playing so cagey. Well, I had to be sure first. If that dame hadn't stuck around and tipped us off, we just about made it when the car went through the tunnel. That, uh, Sheila dame, huh? Uh-huh. Say, Ben, I, uh, I think I got a date with a lady. Oh? So what do I do? Well, I'll tell you. Here's a dime advance out of your $20,000 reward. Go take a ride on the roller coaster. so closes The One-Way Ride to Nowhere, starring Alan Ladd. Tonight's tale of... Suspense. 